Members of the National Guard and military reserves can have complicated lives. Now it turns out they often lose out on financial benefits they're entitled to from lenders. That's according to a study by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Here with more, Charles Goldman. He's a senior economist. Thanks for joining me. Nice to be with you. And Patrick Brick, a policy analyst at CFPB's Office of Service Member Affairs. Patrick, good to have you with us. Nice to be with you as well. What prompted this study to look at what is the benefit to which they are entitled? It's a legally statutory endorsed break from lending rates. Patrick? Sure. So I can briefly outline the Service Member Civil Relief Act that was enacted by Congress to provide legal and financial protections for service members on active duty so they can focus on their mission. These protections include the right to reduce interest rate on any pre-service obligation to a maximum of 6%. The SRA also includes other protections against repossession of certain property without a court order, protections against default judgments in civil cases, and protections against home foreclosure without a court order. Eligible service members can also terminate certain residential housing and automobile leases without penalty. Uh, they can terminate them early. The interest rate reduction benefit is the main focus of this report, although we do focus to a, a smaller extent on the protection against repossession. And I should also mention that the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice enforces the SCRA and the CFPB's Office of Service Member Affairs you know, monitors the market and refers SCRA violations back to DOJ. And what did you find in this study then, Charles? Well, thanks, Tom. So we know from other research that these benefits appear to be underutilized, and we found that in this study. Uh, So we looked at National Guard and Reserve members using a statistical data source that the Bureau purchases, which consists of credit files of Americans, and they've been matched to DOD service records. So we were able to look over the period from 2007 to 2018, and we found that for auto loans, about one in 10 auto loans experienced an interest rate reduction consistent with the law, as Patrick explained it. And for personal loans, uh, about 6% of the loans experienced a reduction. So we see that some service members appear to be benefiting from these legal provisions, but it's a minority of service members. And as a result, we found that there was about $100 million in potential interest savings over the 11 years that we study that service members could have been entitled to, but did not appear to receive. And what was the principal reason for this, for this only, you know, 99% not getting the rates they were entitled to, say for auto loans? I think the major issue that we see, Tom, is that companies don't know if a customer is a service member and on active duty unless they're provided uh, notification or they voluntarily check the Department of Defense SCRA website. So service members shoulder the responsibility to notify their creditors and provide a, a document to support activation. Research has shown that Efforts to notify service members of their eligibility have limited success and that many service members drop out of the request process before completing it. Uh, And this helps explain our results that only a small fraction of activated Guard and Reservists are actually receiving interest rate reductions on eligible loans. So our concern is in a rising interest rate environment, these low utilization rates are, are troubling because in the coming months and years, we expect to see more service members with pre-service loans that exceed the 6% threshold. And if it's unlikely for them to receive the interest rate reduction, as the report suggests, the number of eligible service members missing out on critical 
uh, interest rate relief and foregone savings uh, may increase. We're speaking with Patrick Brick. He's a policy analyst and with Charles Goldman, senior economist, both at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Until very recently, this was almost maybe a moot matter because in terms of car loans, most of the car companies were giving away credit, 0% or 0.9%. Now the picture's changed. So is that part of the concern? Sure, that's that's certainly part of the concern that, in, again, in this rising interest rate environment, we're going to see more service numbers that can benefit from this benefit, so to speak, that's, that service numbers are entitled to. Although we did see in our research that there were still a sizable percentage of auto loans over the course of the report range of the report, which was roughly 2007 to 2018, where auto loans did exceed the 6% threshold. But certainly there are there are other types of products like mortgages that where the where the rates are higher now than they than they were over the report range. So there's a potential for this problem to get more variance, in other words. Yes, certainly that's what we expect to see. Well, it also sounds like both the banks and the loaners, as well as the people seeking loans, have some homework to do here so that, one, the questions get asked and that they can be answered in a manner that's sufficient to speed the process up to get it all done. Fair to say? I think that's fair. And I think that is reflected in our recommendations that there's there's kind of a partnership here of solutions that need to be looked at to try to better uh, try to increase the utilization of this benefit. So we talk about, you know, companies have the ability to take steps to respect military borrower rights and ease financial burdens, particularly again in this high interest rate environment, to ensure that service members can benefit from the right to interest rate reduction. And we make some recommendations to that effect, notably that creditors can apply SCR rate interest rate reductions for all accounts held in an institution if a service member invokes their right in a single account. Um, so we're hoping that that can become a best practice. We are also recommending that when creditors are able to automatically apply SCRA interest rate reductions, uh, that they attempt to do so, you, again, utilizing the Department of Defense SCRA website. Uh, and then we would like to develop again, comprehensive and kind of periodic indicators of utilization as this report has attempted to set a baseline for uh, so that we can, over time, gauge if that utilization rate increases. Do I smell a rulemaking in the offing here? I don't think we're at that uh, stage at this point. Again, we're still just trying to um, figure out more information and figure out the steps to, we, you know, we've, we've identified a problem where we're saying, where we have noticed a, a low utilization rate and we're trying to figure out sure. ways to address that issue. And Charles, will ask you as the economist, you mentioned there could be $100 million in potential savings not realized earlier. Do we have any sense of the actual overpayments, say, relative to what people were entitled to? And do you have any projection of what it might be in the next several years if these remedies aren't made? Well, it's difficult for us to be very precise because we're looking at historical credit files and they're captured at the time. And so there are a variety of complications here. For instance, service members have up until six months after their deployment to request this rate reduction, and it must be granted retroactively. And so if a service member applied late, the creditor might have refunded them the excess interest paid, but because our credit files are captured at the time, we wouldn't be able to see that. So we want to be a little cautious in saying this is our estimate of $100 million in foregone savings. But we also looked at mortgages, as Patrick mentioned. We don't have quite the same degree of information about the mortgage product, but mortgages represent much larger dollar values. You think about the amount that borrowers take out. 
Over the period of time that we did this study, many mortgages, of course, were below a 6% interest rate. Now, mortgage rates have gone up quite a bit, and mortgages are exceeding uh, 6%, some by a significant amount. And a mortgage, even a mortgage at 7 or 7.5%, could represent a significant savings if the interest rate is lowered to 6%. In addition, the SCRA provides that for mortgages only, the interest rate protection extends for 12 months after an activation, unlike the other loan types where it's only during the activated period. So Guard and Reserve members who have mortgages could actually be entitled to this protection maybe for two or two and a half years, depending upon the length of their uh, deployment. And so we estimate that there could be much greater potential savings in the mortgage market, especially as we move into a higher interest rate. We don't have an exact range uh, of the dollar amount, but it's likely to be much larger than what we estimated for the auto and personal loans at $100 million. So there is potentially quite a bit of money at stake here. And finally, Patrick, you mentioned some recommendations. Those recommendations are to whom? I think the recommendations that we make in the report are, you know, it's not, it's, it's multifaceted, but most of our recommendations focuses, focus on ways that creditors can, on their end, uh, increase the utilization of this, of SRA interest rate reductions. Um, you can look at the, at the history and look really at federal student loans, because it's the one exception where the interest rate reduction is automatically applied. And starting in 2014, the Department of Education required federal student loan servicers to check the, the DOD SCRA website monthly and identify borrowers that were eligible. And as a result, that automatic application led to, you know, the dramatic increase, increase in utilization. And we're, that's one of the proposals that seems to have the possibility to get us to where we want to be in terms of utilization rate. Patrick Brick is a policy analyst and Charles Goldman, senior economist at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And we'll post this interview along with a link to the study at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost... uh... Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of of people with intellectual disabilities and 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 physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on, a, obviously we'll say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. 
Um, they're they're really heroes. And um, so I was I was drawn when I, I and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see you know, throw, send in my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and um, I learn. Uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused uh has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of i i you know often when he'll walk away i'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out and come on you know like look at look at terrell like he 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 faces everything with optimism and 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 i've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the united states and globally you see people who have had everything stacked against them you know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and uh, I mean, we work hard and you know, we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day. But uh, man, you see, it, it, and 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 the inclusion and the at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yep. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of special olympics for themselves i i I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference how how do we get how can listeners get involved in special olympics ways to get involved uh, tons of ways so uh volunteers obviously coaches officials 
Um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age, it's, it's uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding of, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website. Uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. And we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.